Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Chit Chat with Kim. I'm so sorry for being away for so long. Life has kind of been a little hectic lately since the beginning of the new year. But I'm glad to be back speaking with all of you lovely people. I hope that everything is going well for everybody. Happy New Year. Um, got a lot of things to talk about today. I got some things on my mind. Um, a little chit-chat, if you will. But today's episode is going to be about one of our festivals that we celebrate, and that is in bulk. So today's kind of kind of be a little bit of a a little history lesson with the witchy pagan twist. So um, no no gardening advice today. So if that's what you're looking for, I'm very sorry, but stick around because you might learn something. So let's get into it. What's been going on since I have come on here and spoken with you guys last time? Well, a couple of things. Um, eggs cost like a thousand dollars. I briefly touched on this in my last um, podcast, but you guys, it's getting completely out of hand. Like, this is ridiculous. And everybody's like, oh, it's the avian bird flu. It's the bird flu. Maybe, but not all of it. So what's happening is, is that because of inflation, things are more expensive, right? But we don't take into consideration that farmers also have to deal with inflation. So the cost of feed, the cost of new chicks, and just the overall care of chickens has become more expensive. So it would make sense for the farmers for their wholesale price to their buyers to go up a little bit, right? But the greedy corporations that rule this world don't want to pay the farmer's increase, okay? They want to keep all of their greedy little profits for themselves, and nobody wants to pay the farmers what the farmers need to be paid. Therefore, if the farmers don't have what they need, they can give us what we need, which is eggs, Okay, so this is why I have been preaching and screaming it and shouting from the rooftops to support your local farmers. You see, I've been a chicken lady now for quite a few years, and um, everybody always looked at me like I was nuts. Like, Kim, why do you have chickens? Why do you have chickens? You're so crazy. You live in the suburbs of Long Island. Why do you have chickens? Well, I can tell you now that I have never seen more Long Islanders with chickens in their backyard in my whole life as I do now. And on social media, you know, on Facebook and groups and everything, there are so many people looking for chickens, looking for anybody who is selling eggs because the stores don't have any more. And what they do have is extremely expensive. Now, I myself will not buy just any old egg, okay? I'm kind of an egg snob. I'm sorry, but I care about how my food is sourced. And if I am forced to buy eggs from the store, I buy organic, free-range, cage-free pasture-raised eggs because 
to me, that means that the chicken was not held prisoner. Okay. If that's real or not, I don't know, but that's what they want me to believe. Right. So that's why for me buying eggs as a, at the store for being a homesteader with having chickens of my own, it's very, very hard for me to go against what I believe in to buy eggs. Now, that's not to say that, you know, if it came down to it and it was either like starve or eat this, I don't know where it came from egg. Let's all be serious. We would choose the egg, right? We're not going to let our family starve. But we also have to remember not to lose sight of what's important to us during this time. If you are somebody who, like me, is a homesteader and cares about how your food is sourced and how it's grown and raised and all that, let's not lose that because that's what they want us to lose. Because hear me, okay? The small farmer, the homesteader, the family farmer, they are the true free people, the last free people, truly free. Because if you are a sustainable gardener, homesteader, farmer, and you have a closed loop, right, on your farm, they're afraid of us. They are afraid of us because we don't need them, right? Do we need things like toilet paper and stuff? Yeah, we're going to need stuff. We're going to need some stuff. But the less we rely on them, the more afraid they become. So don't lose sight of what's important to you at this time. I know things are a little crazy. Prices are extreme. Times are tough. I understand. Believe me, a thousand percent. I get it because I'm struggling too. I'm just like you. And if we all just support each other, um, we can make this a socialist kind of world, right? So let me tell you an example. <laughs> My daughter sent me this TikTok the other day of about a bookstore in New York City. This is socialism at its finest. And this is what I have been screaming about for years. It is a bookstore in New York City that has a deal. Um, if you bring in used books, they will trade you. Are you ready? A jar of pickles. Who? What? Yes. So if you bring in old used books, they will trade you a jar of pickles. I'm assuming the more books you bring in, the more jars you can have, right? I like pickles. I have some books that I don't need. Sounds like a good deal to me. But you see those, those people who are so deep down into the capitalism will be like, there's no way that that is the same value, that pickles hold the same value as books, vice versa. It doesn't matter if I have a book and you have a pickle and I want that pickle and you want my book, let's trade. That is socialism at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. And that is what we need to go back to. That is what we need to focus on. Stop putting monetary values on things because money isn't real, right? Money's not real. So it's just, it's become this big sinking hole that, you know, you try so hard to climb out of. And no matter what you do or devices that you use to help you, it seems like you're just sinking further and further into this hole. 
and I hear you. I see you. Please know you're not alone. Everybody is going through this right now, except the rich. Did you know? I read the other day, Jeffrey Bezos is worth $177 billion. Can we just pause for a moment and really just think about how much money that really is? That is an unfathomable amount of money. I, I just, I can't understand how somebody can have all that money. He will never in his lifetime spend all that money. He has enough money to clothe, house, and feed most, if not all, of the people in the world. The world. Let that sink in. Not just the United States. The world. Yet here we are. Worrying about how much we have to pay for eggs. Does it make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me. Something has to happen. Something needs to be done. And you know, you sit here and you, you, you hear all these people of an older generation. I'm sorry, I won't say it out loud, but you know who you are. And um, they sit here and they just bash on this younger generation all the time. And I myself am the youngest Gen X. Um, I border right there on the youngest Gen X, eldest millennial. That's my, my generation right there. And I feel like I'm the bologna in the sandwich, right? So I feel like my boomer parents have no idea what it's like to be young and try to establish your life right now. And all they can do is gaslight, gaslight, gaslight this younger generation with a whole bunch of like internalized misogyny from boomer women. And just it's it's horrible. OK, but here I am and the millennials, I poor, poor millennials, I you know, the boomers think you're lazy. I think you're just damaged, <laughs> but understandably so. Millennials have lived through a lot. They've seen a lot. They have, they keep chugging along. And, and I'm right there with you guys. You know, we, we were the ones that grew up with, you know, um, no cell phones, no nothing, no computers, no we had gaming systems like when we were little kids, but that was about it. And the internet didn't exist when I was a kid. And now here we are in the age of technology. So we've gone through a huge transition, you know, the, the young Gen Xers and, and the millennials and millennials. I don't, I don't blame you for being cautious out there in the world because who the hell knows what's going to happen next. Right? So I feel you now, Gen Z on the other hand, generation of fearless, I don't give a fuck type attitude people, and I am about it. Don't bash on this generation, because this generation is doing what we always wanted to do, but we didn't have the guts to do it. And I'm behind them 120%. And I really think that this generation is going to plant the seeds of changing the world. And I'm about it. So we need to, instead of bashing this younger generation, we need to get behind them and support them because like it or not, they're going to be the ones caring for our asses when we're in the nursing home. Okay. Just saying, um, they have great ideas. 
They're tired. They're fed up. They don't want to live life the way that we had to live life. They want things to change and they want it for the better. And I am all for it. And everybody should be. So instead of gaslighting this younger generation and bashing on them every chance we get, let's maybe just stop, pause, look at the bigger picture and see who's leading the way because it's not you or me. It is Gen Z and I'm about it. And by the time Generation Alpha becomes adults, amazing. I can't wait to see what they do with this world. So even though we're struggling right now, there is a future. It will happen. There, There's a light at the end, I promise you. Who's holding the candles though? Gen Z, I'm about it. So what else is going on? I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> Social Security is threatening to be cut. Um, They're threatening to cut and take away federal benefits for workers such as the post office and our military. But yet our politicians are still sitting pretty with fat pockets and benefits and retirements. Make it make sense. Um, It's just things are going down the shitter real fast. Real fast. And we, we need to wake up. This is the beginning of the end. Um, and I'm excited, but scared at the same time, honestly, who knows what's going to take its place? Who knows? Right. Anyway, um, what else has happened? Well, leading into, I have, I've spoken many times on my channel about hating corporate America. I used to be a big part of corporate America. I hated it. It's an evil evil world. And I want nothing to do with it, honestly. But as I was just saying, times are tough and we are struggling. We are, we are not a rich family. I do not make a lot of money off of this podcast. Oh, I barely make anything. I do it because I want to speak to you. I want, I want to get my ideas out there and connect with you guys. I am not rich by any standards. I'm a paycheck to paycheck type of girl, you know, and that's how our family is. And we're making it, but we are surviving. We're not living. And in order for us to do that, we have a five-year plan. And within that five-year plan, the end goal is to be um, moved to a different location where we can have a lot of land um, where I can just live instead of survive. There's a difference. I want to be able to raise more food for my family. I want to be able to have the chilly nights with the wood stoves and the cut in the wood and preserving your food and living the simple life. I don't want a big ginormous mansion. I don't want a big house. I don't want a lot of material things. I want peace. I want to wake up every day and know that it's going to be all right. Why? Because I have food growing outside. I have a loving family that's with me, that supports me. What else could I ask for? Right? I have everything that I need. That's it. You don't need much to be happy. Money doesn't make you happy. But I have recently gone back to work um, at a senior living center. I'm not going to name names. Um, local to where I am. 
and I am what is called a life enrichment manager, aka activities assistant. Um, I am on the dementia Alzheimer's unit, and I've only been there a few days. What they expect of me and what they pay me is kind of ridiculous. Um, I like the residents. They're pretty cool for the most part. Um, I just think that people need to understand that if you're hiring somebody to interact with or take care of another person, minimum wage just isn't cutting it. It's, it's not because let's just look at it this way. And believe me, I am not throwing shade at retail workers or anything like that. I have work retail. I give you guys a lot of credit because I cannot and will not deal with people in that way anymore. But working in retail for a big box store shop and like shelf stocking and, you know, just being an employee and in a retail store, um, if you get paid minimum wage, I mean, you're putting items on a shelf, like I get it. It's hard work. I know that, um, it's stressful, but you're also not responsible for another human being. So people like care managers or nurses aides and activity managers and people who are working one-on-one -on -one with another human being and literally taking care of their every need needs to be paid more than minimum wage. It's ridiculous. You cannot pay me the same amount of money as somebody who is stocking a shelf and expect me to learn about, know, create, and do activities for another human being. It's just not right. So listen, corporations out there, if you pay people more, they will stay longer. Understand that. So my options are still open. Um, I might have to dive back into the medical world for the time being, even though I hate it and it's evil and I don't agree with anything. But that's, that's just where we stand at this moment. So unfortunate but true for right now so if you guys are struggling right now i understand and if you are in a job where you're not happy at i understand but stay there because nobody is hiring there are no jobs you might go on you know different job boards and see the jobs but that does not mean that it's a real job um, that's like a corporate scandal and a whole nother podcast, but just do the best you can. And I love you for it. So with that being said, we're going to pause right here. I want you guys to go get your cup of coffee because this is going to be an interesting one. If you're not of, um, the pagan community, this is going to be a learning experience for you. Um, so go grab your cup of coffee. I got mine. My creamer is sweet and creamy today by International Delights. I like it. Subtle, sweet, delicious. Um, we're going to come on back after this ad. We're going to start our information session off with a card pull today, and then we'll get into the history of Imbolc and what that all means. So stick around and come on back.
right. Thank you for coming back. All right. So if you have never been able to catch one of my card pulls on a podcast before, stick around. Um, There are a few moments where I will be silent. That does not mean that your headphones are broken or your device has gone out of its mind. I am really just being silent for a moment. So stick through it. It's not a long thing with the card pull, but I feel like with everything going on right now in my life and in everybody else's life, we need a little guidance. So let's pull one of my Oracle cards and see what the universe has to say to us today. Okay. So my Oracle deck is the, um, it's the head, witch hedge, witch botanical Oracle, and it has the field guide in it. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing I do when I do my card pull is we are going to cleanse the deck. I have my incense lit today, and we're going to go ahead and pass the deck through the incense to just clear it of all energy. All right. After you do that, I want you to take your deck if you're pulling a deck uh, card today as well and you've never done so and want to follow along this is what I do you do whatever you need to do whatever feels right to you there is no right or wrong when it comes to your craft it is your craft okay hold the deck in my hands and cover it with my other hand I want to close my eyes take a deep breath let the energies between the deck and myself pass through each other At this point, I'm going to clear my mind, set my intention. Okay. Now what you want to do is you want to go ahead and shuffle your deck. While you're shuffling your deck, if any card jumps out, spins, flips over, Um, hits you in the face, that's probably your card. Go ahead and take that card. If not, keep shuffling your deck until you feel that it's time to stop shuffling and pick your card, okay? Sometimes a card will jump out at me, not all the time. And I just got mine. Okay. Hmm. This is, I don't think I've ever gotten this card before. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go and reference our field guide that comes with our deck so it can tell us what we're doing. So if you guys have never pulled from an Oracle deck, Oracle is a little bit different from tarot. Um, It's a little bit more generalized and you kind of translate it into however you see how it translates to you, the meaning. It's not as specific as a tarot deck, okay? So the card that I got today, the flower is the foxglove and the oracle power is connection. So let's go ahead and open up our guide to foxglove and let's read all about it all right foxglove is connection it's also called the witch's gloves 
fairy gloves, fairy caps, folk glove, and fairy thimbles. All right, foxglove is widely distributed throughout much of the Northern Hemisphere and is a common wildflower. You will see these tall, stately plants in meadows, along highways, and often in people's flower beds where they are cultivated as ornamental garden plants. Honeybees love foxgloves and in, I'm sorry, and in turn, the plant is dependent on bees for pollination. Though used to make important heart medications, this plant is poisonous to humans and other animals. All parts of the plant are toxic, including any water in which the flowers are kept. While poisonous, foxglove also functions as a companion to various other plants that ward off disease and rot within a garden. For example, adding foxglove tea to the water in a vase will keep all your cut your other cut flowers fresh and blooming for a longer spell. Adding a few foxglove stalks to your cupboard, kept safely in a mesh bag, when storing potatoes or other tubers will increase their storage life and prevent mold and other pests. The name foxglove is tied to this plant's association with the fae, as it is also called folk's glove, meaning belonging to the fairy folk. The common name also relates to the tale of these flowers being given by Naughty Fae to the fox to silence his steps when hunting, giving the fox an advantage against other forest creatures. Some consider it unlucky to bring foxglove into the home, but grown in the garden it will keep evil away. Foxglove is often mentioned in Irish folklore. For example, to be given in small doses to children thought to be suffering from fairy stroke or as a charm that can cure wonderlust when born. The oracle property for foxglove is connection. This quality is inspired by the many folkloric associations that surround this plant and its relationship with magic, fairies, and the unseen realm. Foxglove is a wonderful addition to a garden and is valued for its height and lovely color. The flowers also attract pollinators that benefit adjacent plants. Additionally, this interesting plant is connected, not just to the health of other plants, but also to minerals in the ground. You can often find foxglove proliferating in the areas that have iron, tin, or coal deposits. This magical plant is associated with the planet Venus and with the Empress Tarot card. In an oracle context, the word connection could be speaking of your relationship with a person, a community, or even with yourself, your history, your subconscious, your physical body. Are you feeling isolated or cut off from someone or something? Remember that much like a garden, connections require care and tending. If you are feeling disconnected, try taking action rather than waiting for things to come to you. Reach out to a friend. Find a way to contribute to your community. Ask someone out for coffee. At times, we can feel disconnected from some aspect of ourselves. For example, our creativity or our sexual selves. Again, these are connections that require work and space to flourish. If our time and focus are turned toward professional advancement or entirely consumed with caring for others, our wholeness as individuals will be compromised. Remember that you are at your best when healthy, happy, relaxed, and fulfilled. 
And this can only happen when you make the time and space for each part of yourself to grow. Well, you guys, do you see what just happened? Was I not just talking about how I did not want to go back to corporate America, back to healthcare and taking care of other people? Why don't I want to do that? Because I don't want to lose myself. Because I made a decision years ago that my mental health and my well-being was more important than the money I was bringing into this house. And I've been struggling with that, with the thought of having to go back to help support my family or just, you know, save up money or whatever the reasons are for having to go back to a situation that you don't want to go back to. Um, yeah, so I'm going to reflect on this later um, and kind of dig deep in and see exactly what the universe and what my guides are trying to tell me with this card. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's get into, ooh, let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is about in bulk. What is it? What are we doing about it? All right, let me just put my cards away in there. All right, so in bulk um, starts on Wednesday, February 1st and ends on Thursday, February 2nd. It is the halfway point between winter and spring. It's the first um, Sabbath of the year uh, for most Celtic pagans. Most modern day pagans focus on celebrating Bridget. They do this by um, either setting up an altar with symbols of Bridget, like the corn husk doll, um, white flowers, a bowl of milk, and red or gold candles. Bridget is the goddess of, she represents fire, right? Um, the celebration of light. Um, and much of the anticipated arrival of spring. Bridget, if you believe the um, the triple goddess, she is the maiden, right? So what does that mean? That means she is um, the exalted one, the Irish goddess of spring, fertility, life. Um, she's beloved by poets. She was the master of both healing and smithing. Um, many of Ireland's wells and waterways are were devoted to her and still are to this day. Um, the one thing that you might see come up on social media or wherever you're looking on on February 1st is Bridget's Cross. So let's talk about that a little bit. It is woven from straw. Uh, it appears in many different shapes, but the most recognizable features a woven diamond in the center. They are traditionally hung uh, above the door of your home to protect the house from fire and evil. A collection of Bridget's Cross um, collected by Irish Folklore Commission is actually on display in the National Museum of Ireland uh, Country Life. So in bulk, like I said, is one of the four Gaelic seasonal festivals along with Beltane, Ugnasa, and Samhain. In Neolithic Ireland and Scotland, a doll-like figure of Bridget would have been paraded from house to house, um, sometimes accompanied by straw boys. So that's kind of where they get the corn husk doll from. Um, so I'm going to read from you some of the things that I kind of wrote down and notes that I took and um, things that we have found during research. 
So let's go, let's go through and see what they say about in bulk and frigid. Um, the original pre-Christian festival of Imbolc is mentioned in several early Irish manuscripts. They say very little about its or original rites and customs, but Imbolc was treated as one of the four seasonal festivals in Gaelic Ireland, along with Beltane, which is on May 1st, Lugnasa, which is on August 1st, and Samhain, which is November 1st, October 31st, whatever you want to call it. Um... There is a tale which survives in a 10th century version named Imbolc as one of our four Gaelic seasonal festivals and says it is when the ewes are milked at spring's beginning. So this linking of Imbolc with the arrival of lamb and sheep's milk probably reflected like farming customs that ensured lambs were born before calves um in the late winter early spring sheep could could survive better than cows on like the scarce um, vegetation that was around and farmers sought to resume milking as soon as possible you know due to their uh dwindling stores um what else did they say about this lovely goddess let's see um, from the 18th century to the mid-20th century, many accounts of St. Bridget were recorded by folklorists and other writers. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is, is that the Christians came in and Christianized Bridget, the goddess, and made her St. Bridget. Um, the, I believe the Christian and Catholic or whatever faith that is, on the same day of us celebrating in bulk, they celebrate something called Candlemas or something like that. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we'll get into that as well because I want to be fair and tell you about all of the history, even though I think it's baloney. But um, it has also been argued that originally the timing of the festival was more fluid and based on seasonal changes. It is associated with the onset of the lambing season, um, the beginning of the preparations for the spring sowing, you know, the blooming of the blackthorn in Ireland. A spring cleaning was also customary around the time of uh, St. Bridget's Day. Um, so that's where we get that term spring cleaning from, right? Holy wells were visited as they were during some of the other Gaelic festivals. Visitors to holy wells would pray for health while walking sunrise around the well. They would often leave offerings, typically coins or... Um, milk poured onto the ground, porridge poured into the water, you know, something like that. Um, okay, so let's talk about the symbol of Bridget's bed. Bridget would be symbolically invited into the house and a bed would often be made for her. In the north of Ireland, a family member representing Bridget would circle the home three times carrying rushes. They would knock on the door three times asking to be let in. And then on the third attempt, they were welcomed in. The meal is had. The rushes are then made into a cross or a bed for Bridget. In 18th century man, the custom was to stand at the door with a bundle of rushes and say, Breed, breed, come to my house tonight. Open the door for Breed and let Breed come in. Similarly, in... Another part, the householder was sent to fetch the drying rushes. 
knelt on the front step and repeated the following chant three times. Go on your knees, open your eyes, and let in Bridget. Those inside the house answered three times, she's welcome. The rushes were then strewn on the floor as a carpet or a bed for Bridget. Um, in the 19th century, some old Manx woman would make a bed for Bridget in the barn with food, ale, and a candle on the table. The custom of making Bridget's bed was particularly common in Scotland, where it was recorded as far back as the 17th century. A bed of hay or a basket-like cradle would be made for Bridget, and someone would then call out three times, um, Bray, Bray, come in, thy bed is ready. A corn dolly um, would be laid in the bed, and a white wand, usually made of birch, would be laid beside it. It represented the wand that Bridget was said to use to make the vegetation start growing again. So she brings the arrival of spring, right? Ashes from the fire would be raked smooth. And in the morning, they would look to see for some kind of mark on the ashes as a sign that Bridget had visited their house. If there was no mark, they believed bad fortune would come unless they, you ready? Buried a cockerel at the meeting of three streams as an offering and burned incense on their fire that night. Um, women in some parts of uh, Scotland would also dance while holding a large cloth and calling out to Bridget to come over and make her bed. And there's also Bridget's procession. So in Ireland and Scotland, a representation of Bridget would be paraded around the community by girls and young women. Usually it was a doll-like figure known as a biddy. That's pretty cute. Okay. And then it would be made from rushes or reeds and clad in bits of cloth, flowers, or shells. Um, in Scotland, a bright shell or crystal called the Gilding Star Bridget was set on its chest. The girls would carry it in procession while singing a hymn to Bridget. All wore white and their hair was loose and down as a symbol of purity and youth because remember she's the maiden right they visited every house in the area where they received either food or more decorations for their their little doll afterward they would they feasted in a house um, with the biddy set in place of honor and put it to bed with lullabies when the meal was done the young local men humbly asked for admission made um they made their offerings to Bridget and joined the girls in dancing and merrymaking. Um, I'm not going to go on that any further. You understand. In many places, only unwed girls could carry the biddy, but in some, both boys and girls carried it. Um, in some areas, rather than carrying a biddy, a girl took on the role of Bridget. Escorted by other girls, she went house to house wearing Bridget's crown and carrying Bridget's shield and Bridget's cross, all of which were made from rushes. The procession in some places included straw boys who wore like the conical straw hats, masks, and played folk music, much like the Wren boys. Up until the mid-20th century, children in Ireland still went house to house asking for pennies for poor Biddy or money for the poor. In County Kerry, men in white robes went from house to house singing. 
Um, Bridget's Cross in Ireland, Bridget's Cross were made on St. Bridget's Day. A Bridget's Cross usually consists of rushes woven into a four-armed equilateral cross where there were also three armed crosses too. So we don't really know. They were often hung over the doors, like said, windows and stables to welcome Bridget and for protection against fire, lightning, illness, and evil spirits. The crosses were generally left there until next St. Bridget's Day. Um, young boys sometimes would carry um, the cross around the village, inviting people to step through it and so be blessed, like a huge one. So fun fact for my witchies, um, Bulk is also, um, this festival is traditionally a time of weather divination. So if you guys wake up in February and, you know, you, you, what is it, Patoxy Phil or something like that, the groundhog or whatever, and you guys are waiting to see what the groundhog is going to do, well, listen up, this is pretty interesting. The festival was traditionally a time of weather divination and the old tradition of watching to see if serpents or badgers came from their winter dens. It's maybe a forerunner of the North American Groundhog Day, right? Imbolc was believed to be when the crone of the Gaelic tradition gathers her firewood for the rest of the winter. Legend has it that if she wishes to make the winter last a good while longer, she will make sure the weather on Imbolc is bright and sunny so she can gather plenty of firewood. Therefore, people would be relieved if Imbolc is a day of foul weather, as it means the crone is asleep and winter is almost over. At Imbolc on the Isle of Man, where she is known, um, it's said to... The crone is said to take the form of a gigantic bird carrying sticks in her beak. I mean, it's really very interesting, right? In bulk or in bulk based festivals are held by some neo-pagans. As there are many kinds of neo-paganism, their in bulk celebrations can be very different, right? Despite the, despite the shared name. Um, some tried to emulate the historic festival as much as possible, and other neo-pagans based their celebrations on many sources, with historic accounts of Imbolc being only one of them. Neo-pagans usually celebrate Imbolc on February the 1st in the Northern Hemisphere and August the 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. Some neo-pagans celebrated at the astronomical midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. In the Northern Hemisphere, this is usually on the 3rd or the 4th of February. Other neo-pagans celebrate in bulk when the primroses, dandelions, and other spring flowers emerge. So it's up to you. It's up to what part of the country your culture hails from. Um, you know, do your research and be respectful to the culture before you just start, you know, celebrating it without really understanding it. Um, so, like I said, at the same time, we have our Christian people over there who is celebrating Candlemas. So Candlemas, from what I understand, uh, commemorates the ritual purification of Mary 40 days after the birth of her son, Jesus. This day also marks the ritual representation of the baby Jesus to God in the temple at Jerusalem. Um, the Gospel of Luke says that Jesus was met by Anna and Simon on that day. So, 
Um, a little bit of cultural appropriation. As with most Christian holidays, they were stolen from the pagans, um, twisted, molded, and made into whatever they wanted them to be. Um, so, yeah. So that's what, that's a little history lesson and what it is. So some of the things that I'm going to be doing to celebrate in bulk, um, because one of my intentions for the new year was to put more effort and really get into my craft a lot more, um, embrace my culture a lot more, and um, dedicate myself to my guides and my deities more in the year of 2023. So being the first festival of the new year for us, um, I plan on decorating my altar. Um, and I do want to, on that night, leave out a bowl of milk for her. And we will keep the candles going. Um, we will be placing some white flowers upon the altar. And later on, I am going to make my corn husk doll. I have some cloth that I'm going to use to decorate it. Um, some of the the best colors to use in association with Imbolc and Bridget would be like red, orange, gold, um, yellow, white, uh, even black and blue. So I have um, some orange ribbon. I have some gold ribbon, some white ribbon. We're going to decorate our corn husk doll. I've already made my Bridget cross. Um, it is currently hanging over my doorway to my home. Um, I plan on making another one for my garden entrance and also my chicken coop. Um, and we will be holding ritual for Bridget on the night of February 1st, um, inviting her in, having a meal, saving a spa for her, um, and making a bed for her that evening to welcome her into the home and to um, devote that night to her and ask for her protection in return, uh, with a good, a good garden. You know, I, I, I will ask Bridget to please, um, make my garden very successful this year and, um, giving her the respect while doing so. So if you guys are interested on participating in an in bulk celebration, I encourage you first to please go out and research this day and understand what it means and pay respect to the culture that it comes from and just be open and willing to learn and that's it you know there is no right or wrong way to really celebrate personally privately yourself like i always tell new baby witches um you know who are seeking answers and wanting to know if they're doing things right or wrong there is no right or wrong in your craft. You are your craft. All your power comes from within you. Do what's right to you. Do what feels right. And so with that, I bid you adieu. I am going to go get a refill of my coffee and I have a lot of chores to do around the home today as it is my day off and I have work for the next three days until I'm off again. So do something good today. Go out. Just maybe smile at somebody. Say hello. You know, you don't know what other people are going through, especially now. And we can all use a little bit of kindness. 
So today I encourage you to go out and be kind to somebody that you don't even know. You can't even imagine what the effect might be for that person. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Until next time.